Thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship weekly podcast. We hope you're enjoying the messages. Unfortunately, we experienced unexpected technical difficulties this Sunday, which resulted in a very poor quality recording. Nevertheless, we would still like to make the message available to you, but we ask your forgiveness for the poor quality recording. The technical issues have since been resolved, and we expect to return to our high-quality audio performance next week. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Before I start, there's a scripture I want to share. It's Leviticus 19.32, and it says, Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect to the age. Fear your God, I am the Lord. You know, it's, it's uh, obviously according to God's word, and it's very important to respect our elderly. And, and around here, we like to not just talk about things, but talk about practical ways to implement and put into practice God's word. And there's one thing I would like to ask your help with so that we can honor our senior saints. And, and I'm talking specifically those 60 plus. I'm not including me. I'm not even close to that. But we're talking uh, our senior saints, 60 plus. One practical way we'd like to do this is next week we're having a, uh, a church dinner. It'll be right after church. And what we'd like to do is we want to honor them, honor our senior saints by allowing them to eat and get in line first. Okay? And even before our children, and also how we're going to do that practically is, and also we're including in that, we're including our bus riders. It's uh, some in wheelchairs, uh, that kind of thing. So our bus riders and our senior saints, we want them to be first in line. Now, ladies or gentlemen, if you happen to be married to a senior saint and you're not quite one yet, you get to stand in line with them. <laughs> Okay? That's your privilege of being able to get to stay with your spouse. So, uh, But anyway, and also kids and crew and under need to go in line with your parents. You need to go through the line with your parents. That doesn't mean you have to eat with your parents, but you need to go in line, the food line, with them. And then after you get your food, then you're welcome to, to sit with your friends and that kind of thing. So starting next week, uh, I'm asking you to help me, and we're going to show our honor towards our senior saints by a practical way of allowing them to go first in the line. Okay, does that make sense? All right, thank you. All right, let's get on to the good stuff. Well, that was good stuff. We're going to get on to some more good stuff. How's that? All right, one thing I want to exhort you to do. Now, some of you are note takers, so you already probably have your notebooks out and your pens and, or sharpened pencils and you're ready to go. Um, but the rest of us who aren't note takers, I'm not a note taker when it comes to sermons. But I'm going to encourage everybody to be a note taker today for this reason. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't have any paper, get out your smartphones. And I'm sure somewhere on your smartphone you have some kind of an app, whether it's the notes app or some kind of an app, to take notes. Because what I'm going to encourage you to do is, is we're going to be practical. I'm going to share something very practical today. But what we're going to do is, is I'm going to be specifically targeting a certain uh, group, families. As far as parents with children, you know, younger children, children that still live in a home. But what I share is going to apply to everybody. And so I want to encourage you not to check out say, well, my kids are grown or I don't have kids or I'm not married or whatever. So don't think just because you're not in the, in the category of having children at home doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't want to speak to you. He wants to speak to every single one of us in here. And so as I'm sharing some things, what I believe he's going to do is he's going to give you specific application points. In other words, if I say, I would encourage you to do this, and maybe you can't do that specific thing, but he's going to show you how to apply that principle in your life. Okay? And I'm talking to singles, I'm talking to married without children, married with children that are grown, grandparents. God's wanting to speak to us and give us practical ideas of how to engage with him to receive more of what he has for us today. So, 
We good with that? All right. Let's see if my iPad will be good with that. Now, some of the things I'm going to share, this, this came from the, the, the family conference we had last week. Um, and I'm going to be sharing some of those things. Lisa and I, actually, the next number of weeks, we're going to be sharing some things out of that. But uh, I want to share something practical. I want to share a practical application of what I shared last week. But I want to start with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. You can put that up there if you have that. Can everybody see this treasure chest right here? Well, yeah, this treasure chest right here. Can everybody see this? Okay, I want to make sure you can see it. All right, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has blessed you not. If you are born again and you are in Christ, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He has made it available to you. So it's, it's like right there in that treasure and it's open. Notice it's unlocked and it's open. It's available. But the only problem is, is that he says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, anybody know the address of this building? It's 1110 East McKillroy, Stillwater, Oklahoma, 74075. So right now, physically, you are in, you are at the location of 1110 East McElroy in Stillwater, right? Do you agree with that? But the Bible says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So we have a problem. I'm at 1110, and my blessings are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how can I be excited about blessings that are made available to me, but they're in heaven? But check this out. Does anybody know where... God is. But where else is he? He's in heaven, right? Where is Jesus? He's seated where? He's seated at the right hand of God, right? Now, Scripture says this. He, Jesus, is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Are you with me so far? Now, we also know that, you know, God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But also, he is specifically seated in heaven, and Jesus is seated right next to God at his right hand. Location of favor. So, we're at 1110 East McElroy, and Jesus and God, and our stuff that he made available to us, is in heavenly places. But check this out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he has loved us with, even when... We were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are you? You're at 1110 East Napoli. And, stop, I'm preaching this. You're at 1110 East McElroy, but you're also seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Guess what else is in heavenly places? Every spiritual blessing that God has made available to you. So even though we are here at 1110 East McElroy, we are also right here next to Jesus, in Christ Jesus, where all the goods that he's made available to us, which means we have access. Are you with me? So not only has he made every spiritual blessing available, 
but we gain access because of where we are in Christ. And when I'm talking about every spiritual blessing, we're talking about things like joy. You realize how joyless people are these days? How sorrowful, how discouraged, how distraught, how hopeless. We have hope, we have peace, we have love. We are loved. We have love. We have the ability, we have great, one of the, well, I'm not saying the best ones, because love is, but we have grace made available to us. Grace empowers us to do everything that God calls us to do. We have grace made available to us because that is a blessing that we have access to. It's been made available to us. So we have the ability, the power, and even the desire to love our enemies. Are you with me? You might want to go ahead and silence your phone so I don't get distracted. But we have grace, grace, hope, provision, healing. We have all those things made available to us. So what do we do with that? Colossians chapter 3. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. How many of you were raised with Christ? Now, I know that's probably not all of you. That might be some of you. Raise your hand if you were raised with Christ. Oh, all of you? All of you think you are? Okay. If then you, have, you were raised with Christ, which is past tense. When you're born again, then you were raised with him. If that is your situation... Seek those things which are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. So if that is your condition, if you're seated in heavenly places with Christ, then seek those things that are above. What's above? He just told us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He says, seek those things. And then he goes on to say, set your mind on things above. So if you missed it the first time, then he's saying it again. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he's telling us to set our mind on things above that he's made available to us. That he's made available, that we have full access to. If we are not setting our mind on these things and we're not obtaining these things, then we are not living the full life that God has called us to live. Example, fruit of that is I'm being, I'm being tormented by bitterness. Anger, resentment, the way people have treated me, you know, social injustice, you know, all these things that's going on in the world. When you look at stuff that's going on, you look at the news and everything, people are just being consumed by hate, by frustration, by fear. There is so much fear. And unfortunately, many people in the church are in the same condition. We're, we're afraid of things. We're, we, we are hating those who are attacking us. We're not making access or taking access of the grace that's been made available. We don't have peace. We're being tormented by just these thoughts of what's going on and what people are saying and what might happen. But Jesus said, my peace I give you, not peace as the world gives you, but my peace. You know, the kind of peace that allows you to sleep in the midst of a storm. That's the kind of peace that Jesus makes available to us. So regardless of the circumstances, we can have total peace. That doesn't mean we ignore and we just stick our heads in the sand and ignore what's going on. That means right in the midst of what's going on, right in the midst of the fire, the danger, the all the month, we can walk in peace and joy and grace and love. See, that's how we're supposed to walk. Are you with me? Are you hearing? Is this thing turned on? Yeah, that's why I make sure. So he says to set our mind 
on things above. Seek those things above. Set your mind on those things above. So I want to talk about a practical way. We've been taught last week, we talked a lot about worship. One of the themes was worship, and mainly it was about God's presence. And see, in his presence, not only is fullness of joy, but in, in his presence is the things that he's made available for us. And worship is one of those avenues that he has designed for us to gain access to the things that are made available. Setting your mind on things above, one way to do that is worshiping. Would you agree with that? That is one of the things that God has ordained. As we said, just like a few moments ago, as we were singing the songs, we were setting our mind on Jesus. We were setting our mind on heaven, on him, what he's done, how much he loves us. One of the words, I've never experienced love like this or, or something like that. We're setting our minds on him. As we set our minds on him and things above, then we gain access and we begin to walk in the things that he's made available. Are you with me so far? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? And so what I want to talk about, so that's why the why is to gain access, set our minds on things above, to gain access to the walk in the things that he's made available. That's the why of what we're going to talk about. The what is family worship. We're going to talk about you establishing the lifestyle of worship in your life, specifically family worship. What I mean by family worship, I mean in your home, in your living room or wherever, that mom, dad, sons, daughters, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, whatever you got, you guys are worshiping Jesus together. You guys are praising Jesus together. I mean being intentional and definite in establishing family worship. Why? Because we want to establish a a habit, a principle, a lifestyle in our kids that this is important. I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. If we, if the only time our kids are exposed or encouraged to worship and praise, if the only time they're encouraged to do that is on Sunday morning, then you and I are unintentionally teaching them that worship and praise is irrelevant to real life. In other words, it's just a thing we do, it's just a nice thing we do on Sundays at church. Not teaching them the power of praise and worship, how powerful it is. This has become a part of me, become part of my lifestyle. It's become some, I guess I'm, a, I'm a addicted to worship, can I say? It's something I do all the time. I listen to worship music a lot because I'm learning to set my mind on things in, in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing his presence. I'm reminded. See, he's with me everywhere. But it's good to be reminded of that fact because if I'm not reminded of the fact that he's with me, then I let the circumstances become bigger than who he is. And we forget who's with us, who's in us, and who's empowering us to be not just overcomers, but to be powerful rescuers of people who are in bondage. Amen? Amen? So we're going to talk about family worship. And what I want to talk about today is, is the practical how-tos. There's some practical things. Now, remember, you don't have kids living with you anymore. Maybe they're grown or you're not even married or whatever. Don't check out on me thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Because it's about the, it's about the lifestyle of worship. Okay, that's the main thing we're talking about. And if, if you, as a parent, begin to implement worship in your home, but you do not become a worship yourself, then you're missing the whole point. Because then you're just doing another nice activity. 
And so family worship should be, see our worship on Sunday mornings should be an expression, an outflowing of what's going on in our lives Monday through Saturday. It should already be happening individually, and then Sunday we just get to do it together. Are you with me? And then what I'm doing is I'm intentionally incorporating this in my family so my kids say, you know what, this is important. This isn't just a Sunday morning at New Covenant 1110 East McElroy thing, but this is an everyday thing. I recently got to see my boys in California. Four, I have four older sons. I have six kids all together. Four older boys that live in California and Benjamin and Julia that still live here. And they're never moving out of the house. <laughs> but I have four older boys that live in California. 25, 24, 22, and 20 their ages. And I got to see them a couple weeks ago, which is cool. Love my boys. And, and one thing I realized that caught my attention the first time, is that all four of my boys, my older ones, worship is their lifestyle. You know, Brian was telling me that he has been invited, he, he used to play drums, he's a very good drummer, he used to play drums when he was younger, but he, he quit playing, had been playing for a while, and then he picked it back up, and then someone found out he plays drums, so they invited him to be on one of the worship teams. And he told me, he said, you know, Dad, I'm not really passionate about playing drums anymore, he has other passions, he said, I'm not passionate about playing drums anymore, but I am passionate about worship. So if this gives me an opportunity to be around worship, then I'm all about it. That's interesting. And then my other son, Grant, his desire, his passion in life is to be a worship leader. And he even tried out for one of the Bethel worship teams. He didn't make it, but he tried out for it, which I was very proud of because I know he was terrified. Because of the competition, I mean, we're talking people all over the world who come to this location. That's what Bethel is famous for, is their worship. And so he, was, he had tried out for one of these teams. He didn't make it. That means he can't try out again. But I was so proud of him for taking that risk and going after that. But that's his passion, is worship. Joseph, my son who doesn't necessarily have my rhythm in him. <laughs> It's more of his mom's son. But I guess I was wrong because he's, been, he's, on a, he's with the men's ministry there. And they have a worship team and they've asked him to play percussion. I'm thinking, what? Talk about a sign and a wonder. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Maybe things have changed since I knew him. But anyway, just kidding. But anyway, so he's on a worship team and he's excited about it. Grant's on a worship board. Grant tried out for a worship team. But he worships. He loves to worship. Brian loves to worship Trey. You know, at his wedding that he got married two months ago, yeah, two months ago, and one of the things, part of his wedding was him and his wife, they had worship, live worship at his wedding. I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. So I, I noticed this about my sons, and so I asked them a question. I, I said, would you guys do me a favor and answer these questions and make a video about one about a minute, 30 seconds to a minute, of telling me do you remember us doing worship together as a family? Do you remember, or was it just a figment of my imagination? Do you remember that? What is your perspective? What was your perspective as a kid doing that, if you can remember? And what is your perspective as an adult now looking back on that? And did it have any impact in your life? And I asked them these questions. Now, two of my sons weren't able to do it. They didn't have time, but two of them did. But for the sake of time, I'm going to show one video of Brian. And, and the interesting thing is, I want to encourage you, you, you parents, 
Some of you are thinking, as, as I'm talking about this, you're thinking ahead and thinking, hmm, you don't know my kid. My kid is, is not only hard-headed and not only strong-willed, but if you look up the definition of strong-willed, the picture of my kid is right next to that definition. That's what some of you are thinking, but see, that's not true because the picture of Bryant would be next to my son, Brian, invented the, the concept of strong will. I mean, he was, he was a very strong will child. He was, he was my greatest challenge in life. But he and I are, are the closest. He's my closest son. Now, I guess all the battles you go through and the challenges you go through and everything, that I knew Brian was going to be a leader. He was a leader. Just needed to be redirected and everything. But my, my encouragement is... Is trying to get a kid, to, a strong wolf kid, to do something is very challenging, right? So just find out how to direct them and let them become your ally, and then you have some great things happen. Could you go ahead and show that video uh, of Brian? Evans, My name is Brian Ellis, and I am the second born of CJ and Lisa Ellis. And um, my dad sent me a list of questions and about family worship nights and asked if I'd make a quick video and send it to him. And so I was like, Dad, you know I love being the center of attention, so obviously I will do that. <laughs> so first question, here we go. It's, do you remember us having family worship times when you were younger? Absolutely. It's, yes. Um, <laughs> what was your perspective of it back then as a child? This is interesting because um, looking back, I absolutely... Like, our dad made it, like, really fun, these worship nights, and he had, he brought a lot of hype to it. Like, he was like, are you guys ready to have a worship night? We're going to worship Jesus. And we're like, yeah! You know, we're all excited about it. He just, he made it really hype. And so it was always something that, because we really looked up to to dad and mom, obviously, but in this story, dad. And so when he would get hyped about something, we were, like, just hyped with him. And the fact that our dad cared so much about worship and God, it was important to us, too. And he just represented it really well. So um, I remember being excited about worship nights. I remember there were some days I, I didn't really want to. I was having a bad attitude or whatever. and didn't really feel like it. But um, I just remember enjoying it as a kid. Um, what is your perspective of it now looking back as an adult? <sighs> I'm going to get wrecked thinking about this. But like, I feel like those days set a foundation for my relationship with God as an adult. Because one thing I really love that Bill Johnson says is, um, when in doubt, worship. And that was just modeled really well for me as a kid. Um, just watching how my dad navigated through life and how he would go through certain situations and how he just handled problems. It was worship. It was spending time with Papa. And um, I remember being encountered by God as a really young kid. Like the first time, I remember just being like, just like crying at one of our family nights. I didn't even know why I was crying. I just remember just weeping and just praying about everything that came to my mind. And it was just, I, I just remember just feeling this overwhelming peace and just like, and that's nothing you can teach, you know? It's like, those are encounters that you remember, you know, forever. I'll never forget, you know, some of the encounters I had as a kid uh, just during family worship nights. Uh, I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit as a little kid during one of those worship nights. Um, how do you feel your life was impacted from us doing family worship? Well, I just, I answered that with the other question. But yeah, I really, I feel like it just kind of set up that foundation um, for my walk with Christ now. 
Um, I think it's really interesting too because my dad um, is an extremely powerful individual and who he is at church is who he is at home. There's no difference. And he did not pay me to say this. <laughs> so he, my dad's better at home than he is at the church. Okay, because he, uh, I love my dad. But basically, I don't know. I, I see, I, I talk to a lot of pastor's kids and they're like, oh, I hate being a pastor's kid. My dad would wear a mask at church. He'd go home and mask off. He's dad and he's, you know. <laughs> but just our home life was, it's about the presence. It's about God. It's about your personal relationship. It's digging that well of revival in your heart. And then we'd go to church on Sunday and that's who he was in front of the church. And so it was just never, it just, I don't know. I think that was really impactful because it was just like, our dad wasn't like hypocritical in that sense. And um, and I don't know, I just talked to a lot of pastor's kids who uh, didn't necessarily get that. And I, it was interesting how his, priority, how his priority was pursue God, run after God. Uh, what would you say to encourage families who are just beginning their family worship journey? I don't know if this is the right answer, but don't take it too seriously. Um, in the sense, it doesn't have to be this hour-long, like, we're worshiping, and we're going to praise Jesus, and you're going to get words of knowledge for your sister or brother. It's, <laughs> I would say start it off like you're working out, you know? Just do 10, 15 minutes twice a week. It can be short. It can be one worship song. But I just feel like building the consistency of it starts to create a hunger. Because you start to develop, you know, whatever you eat, you develop an appetite for it. And so it's just like, if you don't feel like it, just do a little bit of it. And I feel like that appetite's just going to grow. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the advice I would give families who are just starting that. Um, this is way longer than 60 seconds. My dad said he wanted 60 seconds. I gave you guys five minutes. You're welcome. Anyways, <laughs> love to miss you guys. And have an awesome Sunday. saw that, <clears throat> I had to say I was very honored by, you know, his words, and when you hear that from your son, that's pretty, pretty awesome, especially some that you did battle with, you know, back in the day, and you know, when I say strong will, you know, I want to say this real quick, that um, he had a strong personality, and I recognize the leader, matter of fact, all my boys are leaders, and my daughter, and, and I recognize they're just, they just do things differently, and he was a very strong, and I knew that if, if he did not get connected to Jesus, he was going to be rough. I mean, the drug dealing, that kind of rough. I mean, I just knew. And, and so, but praise God, the, the things we dealt with were not drugs, not premarital sex, not that kind of stuff, but just him not clashing, not him not doing his homework, him not doing his chores and those kinds of things because we said to him, he said no, you know, that kind of thing. So I praise God that I have wonderful, and I still have wonderful kids growing up. So when I talked about him getting stronger and everything and us going to battle, when we had our emotional challenges and our clashes as a parent and a child, but he was never rebellious. None of my kids were ever rebellious. Now we had some rebellious looking times. <laughs> you know, they had some seasons where there was a clash between us, but they never turned away from God. 
And, and so what I want to encourage you with is that, and, and one thing that he said, and Trey said the same thing in his video, that they felt like that having the worship time in the family was a foundation to where they are now. Because they saw that, you know, this is the real deal. When I would bring my kids to work with me, we, we, we homeschooled uh, for many years. All my four little boys were homeschooled their whole lives, all through high school. And so I brought them to work with me, one of them every day. And, uh, and what I would do is, is I have my quiet times downstairs, and I'd say, you could either stay up here and do your school, or you can come downstairs with me. And many times they would come down with me. Either they would do their homework while I'm worshiping, or they would join in. But it was, it was uh, I felt like it was something the Lord really showed us my wife and I to do, and me being the man raising boys particularly, I knew it was important for me to take the lead. And actually, not just raising boys, I'm going to take that back, because statistically speaking, it is important for us men to lead our families. You know that I, I didn't look up the statistic recently, so I'm, I'm not going to have it accurate, but I'll give you a general. That if moms take their children to church, and the kids grow up going to church with mom taking them and dad stays home, when those kids grow up, there's about a 25%, 25% of those kids continue going to church when they're adults. If dad takes the kids to church and mom stays home, when the kids grow up, there's an 86% of those kids continue to go to church. Why is that? I don't know. But there's something in the, in the heart of the father that, that need to connect the children, especially when we're modeling and, and leading them to the Lord and things of the Lord. So men... This, this can be very intimidating. Believe me, I understand that. Being a man, being a parent, and doing things like this, but I really challenge and encourage and exhort you to really take this to heart because we all in here want our kids growing up loving the Lord. Our interview ever seen one of these, none of you said, no, I want my kids to be rebellious and hate Jesus. We all want them to love the Lord. Just bringing them to church is not going to cut it. But teaching them to love his presence, that is huge. That's not a guarantee that they, they will stay with the Lord forever, loving his presence. But I guarantee you, religion cannot compete with the world, but the presence of God can. And our desire was to teach the boys and help them to enjoy God's presence, the Father. And so that's what we, we did things and, and that kind of thing for that, for that very purpose. Some points I want to make real quick. One, it's all about his presence. Two, it's about establishing a lifestyle of worship in your home. You can't wait until everybody wants to or feels like doing it. In other words, we need to teach them not to be ruled by their negative feelings and emotions. One thing you might have heard Brian say, and Trey said the same thing. He said, you know, I didn't always feel like doing family worship because sometimes I was having a bad attitude or I was upset with one of my brothers or a parent, and that was common. But we did it anyway. And they said, well, I'll talk about that later, but they, we need to encourage them to do that anyway. It's not about how we feel. And one thing you need to understand is you will be resisted. Now, if you're taking notes, check this out. Family worship is the perfect time for bad attitudes and arguments to ensue. Family worship time is the perfect time for bad attitudes and arguments to ensue, and they will. You know, sometimes I do an experiment. Because I say, okay, guys, tomorrow night or tonight, when we get home, we're going to do family worship. And I'd announce that, one, so that they knew not to make any plans that at 7 o'clock or 7.30, we need to block off that time because we're going to do that. That's why I did that. And so if we're going to start at 7.30, what happened at 7.29? All hell broke loose. And I'm serious. I mean, we're talking 
fighting, we're talking, yeah, we're talking. It was, it was madness. And I realized, wait a minute, the enemy knew when I announced 7.30, he's like, not if I can help it. Because he knew getting these lethal, powerful individuals into God's presence was going to make them very lethal against him. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you and I and our kids out of God's presence. And so all of a sudden, I'd come home, I'd have a bad attitude, I'd be irritated about something or whatever, and I'd set the tone, the negative and everything, and then I'm trying to have a worship time at 7.30. Didn't go over too well. <laughs> Sit down, shut up, we're worshiping now. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it didn't go over too well. So sometimes I would experiment, I would say, okay, in my mind, I'm thinking, we're going to have a worship night tonight at 7.30. I ain't telling anybody. You want to see what happens. And so then, I mean, I tell my wife. And then so, um, no, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I just decided, we're going to do this. And so at 7, hey, guys, everybody in the living room. And guess what? We have worship time. Be okay. So I'm thinking, hmm. So what it, it showed me not to be afraid of the enemy, because I'm not, but to be wise that he's going to resist you. So if you're waiting for the perfect time, perfect opportunity, perfect attitudes, it's not going to necessarily happen. Okay? So we're going to do some practical things real quick. Some practical steps. Husbands and wives, work together as a team. Invite your men, invite your wife to assist you in this endeavor. She can be your greatest ally. But I encourage the dads to actually lead the family worship time. You may get most, if not all, of your ideas from your wife. You know when Brian said that his dad and me made it fun? You know whose idea and whose heart that was? My wife's. Because she said, honey, you know, let's make sure this is fun. It's exciting. I'm like, forget fun. We're just going to worship Jesus. <laughs> because I can have a tendency to be militant or dogmatic or just, just, just get it done kind of thing. And just totally miss the whole heart of the whole thing. But my wife was like, man, let's have fun. Let's, you know, and so it's like, okay, if we have to. <laughs> so we have fun and hype it up. And, and we, we just be making a fool of ourselves like David did. So we got permission to do that. Just dance on just like the other day. Sorry, guys, we have a worship time. I said, we're going to have a dance contest. So we're just looking like idiots. And I'm glad none of them ended up on Facebook. Because <laughs> what we're doing is we have praise music going. I think it was that song, Dance the Dust Off the Floor. You know that song? Have you heard that song? One of our favorites. And we're just acting silly, having a good time in his presence. All right. So, husbands, team up your wives. Number two, at the beginning of the week, set aside 15 minutes a couple of evenings a week. So today's Sunday, thinking, Another family's going to be home. There's no practice. There's no games on Tuesday and Thursday. So we'll set aside that. So find some time and protect it. Protect it because something will try to come and take the place of that, that worship time. Start off small and build momentum. Just say, guys, we're going to do one worship song. We're going to do one praise song. It'll be a five-minute one. Do that. Say, all right, we're done. So it doesn't have to be a whole hour-long worship session. Uh, don't make it so seriously but enjoyable for your children. Make it fun. Make it something that they look forward um, to doing. Get your kids involved as much as possible in the development of this. If they invest in it, they will own it. In other words, encourage your kids to, to pick the songs, encourage them to help. Now, some of our kids are more technologically bright than we are. And like with YouTube and internet and all that kind of stuff, there's great things you can do with internet. And YouTube. You can make playlists where you can have songs that play, you know, 
uh, have you can say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you set up a playlist for us for our worship night that we're going to do tonight or tomorrow? Have them help you. Say, what kind of songs would you like to do? Let's include those. Ask them to help you. Uh, one important tip if you'd like to use YouTube, uh, if you're going to do worship, I would encourage you to look into YouTube Red. It's, it isn't a, it's a subscription. You have to pay for it. But then there's no commercial interruptions. The worst thing to do is you're worshiping Jesus, and all of a sudden this scary movie video is on, you know, between songs like, whoa, turn the TV off real quick. And it's kind of irritating when every, after every song is a commercial. If you do YouTube Red, you don't have to worry about that. Um, make it fun for the whole family. What we type like to do is we'll do one or two songs or a few songs, however much we decide we're going to do, and then we'll play some games. Then we'll do or watch a family movie or something because we want them to know that this is about fun. This is about God's presence. It's about our family. It's not about being religious for five minutes and then we do real life, but it's about mixing it all together. So we, we want it to be something that the kids look forward to doing. And my older kids, what we do back in the day, uh, Trey and Brian, um, when they were, well, I think they were like six and seven or seven, eight or something like that. And we'd have them take turns bringing the word. So, all right, whose turn is it to preach? That is my turn. It's my turn. So they would dress up in suits. <laughs> when it was their turn, and then like, we'd have a little bit of worship time, and then one of them would preach. And they just loved it. They just looked forward. And that was something they wanted to do because I don't preach. We don't do worship time at our house and I preach. I mean, they get to hear me once a week. Enough. That's enough, right? But they would, they would own it. They'd get excited about it, and they just love doing that. And let's see. And the lifestyle of worshiping in the family can lead to more things. What we want is our kids to encounter the Father. So it's not about the worship. It's about getting in his presence and letting him encounter them. We had some crazy, you know, Brian said he got filled with the Holy Spirit during one of our worship times. He had, I remember early on we did this, and Brian, something came on him, well, Holy Spirit came on him, and he started crying and interceding. We didn't know what it was. Well, we, we knew what it was, but we didn't know what to do with it. And he just started crying. He started praying for everything. I mean, everything. My dog, Shadow, came by and he laid hands and started praying and started crying, oh, God, protect Shadow. And da, 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 da. I'm like, Brian, don't waste it on him. Here, put your hands on me. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, hey, don't waste that anointing on the dog. He's good. And he also prayed for me because the next day I went. Uh, did I go to Africa or did, did Iraq or so? I went on a mission trip the next day, so he, he also prayed for me. But check this out. The very next day, Shadow was a dog that when he'd get out, he'd get out the door, he, you know, the dog's would take off. It's like, who let the dog out? He's gone. Who let the I'm sorry. He, he would run, and you couldn't catch him. Well, I was by the front door, and, I, and he took off through the door. And he took, and right when I looked outside, there was a, it was a German shepherd and a pit bull, or it was two big scary looking dogs, but they were with the owners, but they weren't on a leash. The owners were running behind us, so obviously, well, I guess, they were trained, because they were in front of the owners, but they were not leashed. And I look up, and, and Shadow sees those dogs, and he's like, Rawr! he goes, I'm like, no! no! Oh yeah, Shadow was a, was a kind of, a little bigger than a lap dog, so he was a little dog. And uh, those of you who know Bubba, if you've been in my house and know Bubba, he was the size of Bubba. Anyway, so he's taken off, and I'm like, my dog's going to die, because we love this dog. Well, he goes, and he goes right up to those dogs, and those dogs see him, and they both charge towards him. And then right when they get in front of him, they stop, both of them, 
and they turn around and go back to their owner. Now the owners are sitting there going, ah! you know, they're freaking out. So it wasn't like they were like, no, whatever, come back. They stopped, and at the same time, they turned back around. And then my dog, he, I was able to catch him and take him back home. You know, his hair was standing up. He was all big and bad, like, yeah, don't you come back, you know. But then I was reminded of something. My son laid hands on and prayed for that dog the day before. And he prayed for his protection. And I wrote, wait a minute, this kid, this was some prophetic stuff. Well, anyway, in the midst of him praying and, and crying and all that kind of stuff, we realized we turned him on and didn't know how to turn him off. It's like, okay, okay, one more time, Brian. And like, okay. Um, and this is what I So I said, Lisa, call Candy. Please, call Candy. So she called, do you remember that, Candy? Here's when we called you. And Lisa gets on the phone with Candy. I said, what did she say? What did she say? And she said, we're just going to have to let him ride it out. <laughs> Wrong answer. There's got to be an off button. It's like, okay, it's time for dessert, time to turn this off. So that lasted for over two hours. He prayed and prayed and prayed and wept and prayed and prophesied and all that kind of stuff. That's the encounter he was referring to. That was almost 20 years ago. And he remembers that. Encountering God. That's what we want with our kids. We want to teach them, get them into his presence, lifestyle, and let him do what he wants to do in their hearts. Would you stand with me? Now I'm trusting that you've got some little tidbits because the goal is for not for you not to do it like the Ellis's because it will not work. The goal is for you to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in our family? Because our kids are totally unique. Our house, our lifestyle, everything is unique. What do you want to do? And he's going to give you the perfect plan. If you try to take mine, it's not going to. It's going to be the imperfect, horrible plan for you, for your life. And so let's close our eyes and let's do this real quick. Let's. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you are inviting us and our families into your presence. Not just on Sunday, and not even just in a family night, but lifestyle. And Lord, I'm positioning myself by saying yes. And I'm asking you, Father, to teach me how to do this. And I'm, asking, and I'm receiving your grace in us doing this. By myself individually, as a couple, as a family. Lord, I, I choose and I desire to have that lifestyle of worshiping you. And we love you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. And we'll see you next week.